Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Toy Photographers Podcast, the official podcast of toyphotographers.com. My name is James Garcia, and I'm really excited for this week's show because I've got one of my all-time favorite toy photographers on here to talk to me. Uh, you know him as Zeke Zach Zoom on Instagram. Sonny, how are you doing today? Uh, fine, great, thanks. Thanks for having me on to do this. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Thank you for coming back on the show. Hopefully people listened to our Roundtable Loomcube review in which you made your first guest star appearance here. You've been on my list for a long time as people I wanted to talk to, so I'm glad that we finally were able to work it out. I know that you've been working a lot lately on some big deadlines, so I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, great. Uh, no problem. I, uh, I think I'm probably going to enjoy the session, yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> So let's just jump right into it. How did you first get into uh, photography? I have uh, always been uh, interested in uh, photography since my school days, but I uh, never really got around to joining any club during that time. So and I actually ended up with a Nikon DSLR when I started working. So I got it. I got a, the camera real late in life, so never really did any photography class, but I was always keen to take up photography. So figured out most of the things myself so uh, i was just playing around shooting uh, my then girlfriend and my usual gang of uh, two other couples so the six of us would usually hang out and then i'll uh, probably be the unofficial photographer so after my kids came out i used the camera mostly to take photos of them hmm. playing their graduation all the usual dad things you know i mean yeah. things, <laughs> doing the dad thing so i think during one of the kids uh, graduation concert I, I broke one of the lens and i actually did not bother to replace that and right about that time uh, digital cameras came out and i replaced my dslr with compact cameras more to just record memories than anything else so i wasn't really a serious photographer and i read the occasional photo magazines for tips and tricks on and off yeah we used to get information from magazine and not from the internet so <laughs> you know it was it was during this time that uh yeah i was just easing into it and then i just totally uh forgot about using compact cameras when mobile phone came out so it was more a casual thing than anything else yeah hmm. how did that then transition into photographing toys when did that start oh okay uh actually uh, four years back, I sold my old place and I moved to my childhood home hmm. while my new place was being renovated. So I packed all my stuff uh, and stored them in a warehouse, but somehow a single beat-up-looking Spider-Man figure managed to escape being packed. So <laughs> <laughs> And I placed that at my work desk at this temporary house. So one day, uh, I was taking a break. I took this figure and uh, placed it near a window overlooking the busy road downstairs and just for fun, uh, I actually used my phone camera and uh, took a close-up photo of him. And uh, it did really look like your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He was so lifelike, so I was quite fascinated with the photos. However, I think looking back, it was probably a crappy photo. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. how that goes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when you go back and look at how you started and uh, in fact yesterday I just did that because uh, I was trying to find out some of the answers to your question and I scroll really really far back and uh, looking back at those photos <laughs> I might maybe want to 
explore maybe taking them again and then maybe see a side-by-side comparison and how I've grown as a photographer, yeah. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that too with my own shots. Yeah, I think it will be an interesting series, yes. So when I then started on Instagram, I never really had any uh, sort of team going and I just uh, randomly did postings, not necessarily toy photos, yeah. So it's like, uh, I, I couldn't even figure out at that time why Instagram always needed to connect to the network. So it's just like, you know, they were, I was just, <laughs> I had an impression that it was just a photo album thing. So, you know, I didn't know that it was going to post online and it's always looking for a network. So I was just randomly shooting stuff. When I started to observe the hashtags and, uh, and that's when I actually uh, discovered the toy photography community and I was pretty amazed by what some of uh, those guys were doing with their toys and the photos that they were making. So the first few accounts I actually remember uh, that left an impression were of not as usual. I think most guys discover toy photography and inspiration through him. Uh. Yeah, yeah, I yes. think so too. That's uh, He was a big inspiration for me and uh, Sergeant Bananas last week, we talked about that, yeah. Exactly, and also Father's Figure and also East Mountain were some of the earlier accounts I discovered. But... There was never, uh, I mean, I enjoyed looking at the stuff and uh, I was never driven to try to produce that kind of standard because I guess, you know, you're nowhere near. So I'll just stick to my format of telling silly stories and that's about it. So it, it was never any drive to to create an uh, amazing photo, but more to tell stories and mm. basically just enjoying their work. Yeah. So, but then right after, about this time, the... Black series came out and I was very amazed by the articulation of this figure and it has been a while since I paid attention to toys. So my last collection being those uh, horrendous uh, Power of the Force figure. <laughs> I remember those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the ones where they were always on steroids. So <laughs> I bought a whole bunch of them, you know, because I missed out, I think, on the you know, very vintage collection. And then there was a, I think there was a dry spell, right? So, so mm. then when the, these came around and then I started collecting a whole bunch of them. So coming back to the Black Series, I ended up buying quite a few of the first few releases, which I believe now are worth quite a bit. So, so especially the R2-D2, they never had, nobody bothered to scalp last time. So uh, they were readily available the last time. So, <laughs> so I was quite lucky to own most of the first few releases of the Black Series and uh, I actually posted them on Instagram as usual and putting them in a silly situation. So right about this time, I also started to discover other characters or other movies from other brands. So it was like a whole new world. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, they, they, have, they have Arnold Schwarzenegger. I did not know that until <laughs> I discovered uh, the toy photo committee. So thanks to them now, I'm spending more money on, on all this. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, you're, you're in uh, Singapore, is that right? That's right. Correct. That's right. Yeah, I'm curious what kind of things you grew up like loving and watching. I know that, you know, you mentioned Arnold. Were, were there things like that growing up that you were really into that you now are photographing? Obviously, Star Wars is a big influence for you, but anything else? Uh, yes, definitely. I mean, back then, uh, when they released movies, uh, we had to wait a whole year before the movie uh, reaches us after they are released in the States. Mm. So you had to wait a whole year. So the movies that stand out for me are like Ghostbusters, the second 
Alien and Terminator movie, the Back to the Future Indiana Jones series. I think I lost count how many times I've seen them. Uh, <laughs> I was just talking to my wife the other day that at this moment, actually we are quite lucky in a sense that although it's a small island, but we get a lot of stuff that uh, readily available around the world. It's like, and it's like we, do, we don't have to travel that far. That the mall is just nearby. So at this present moment, things are great because you can get most stuff what you guys get overseas. So, mm-hmm. but uh, coming back to impacts, I mean, maybe we are talking about this pop culture thing. So definitely, uh, Star Wars was back then. Uh, it was uh, quite a big deal when the movie came out and uh, every time I remember watching the movie that big spaceship you know that Star Destroyer come in I would just always open my mind and say how did they do that you know it's like <laughs> I always enjoy watching how they make those movies so they used to run uh, this TV documentary show called That's Hollywood uh, I, I believe and they featured how they go about making those special effects so just record them on the VHS day and then watch them over and over again. But I never did understand though about matte painting, or motion control, compositing work. So it's like it will show you this black and white image of the spaceship and then how they do all the compositing. But little did I know these days I'm actually having to deal with all these things that they used to talk about and actually have a better appreciation now. Yeah. Uh, Every time do yeah. So now it's like every day I'm doing layer mask, every day I'm doing matting, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. So that, that was pretty interesting. So uh in fact actually it actually uh the movie actually affected my career choice and uh made me want to be the creative field, but not necessarily uh special effects. Though I did remember uh, back then, IOM actually did advertise my internship program, which I wanted to sign up, but I never did go about hmm. doing because I guess I didn't have a proper background kind of thing. I was a bit intimidated by that. So I thought if I had signed out that internship, then things would have changed. <laughs> things would have been much, much, much different if I had been accepted. Yeah, that was like something that you know, I kind of regretted. I mean, kids these days, they have a lot of career choice in this line now, but some of them do take it for granted <laughs> how, <laughs> how uh, much of an interesting career it is, you know. I also actually really enjoy reading Mad and Crack magazine. You know those? Yeah, have you seen those Mad magazine and Crack? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Crack and uh, Kelvin and Hobbes, but especially Farsight, actually. I, I, oh, yeah. I, Side. Yeah, it's, it's, it's actually the kind of humor that is right out my alley. So, yeah. <laughs> That's what and I was going to say is it, it, fit, it seems to fit really well with your, your style and your sense of humor. I don't know whether it's a subconscious thing or not, but uh, looking back, it, you know, it's like it fits the format because it's a single frame and then they throw in that captions yeah. where the, user, the, the viewer will have to sort it out and think of it, and then they get the joke, that kind of thing, it's like a, it's like a punchline coming, so I, I really like that, yeah, so, and, the, and the best part, is, and it's so weird, <laughs> it's, it's really, really, yeah, some of the stuff is really weird, I, I, I find that very, very interesting, <laughs> and also we had cartoons like what you guys have uh, back then, like the Flintstones, Scooby-Doo, mm-hmm. Tom and Jesse, and the Wacky Racers, and I actually end up uh, recently hunting for these 
characters actually. I think thanks to Mitchell's photograph, you know, he likes to photograph some of the retro stuff like uh, Flintstones and he does a really good job. So I was pretty much inspired by that. <laughs> so I ended up trying to find some of these characters recently. So, and also when I was a teen, I used to express my fandom, uh, whether it was the movies or comics through drawings and I just spent my weekends drawing Darth Vader stormtroopers in the style of Don Martin. So, you, you know, like uh, the style of Don Martin from Mad Magazine, if you read Mad Magazine, you would probably know who Don Martin is. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's really weird stuff that he does too. So, I really appreciate his artwork. So, from these sketches, I actually, actually, I, I realized that I had been doing mashups even way back then. I mean, before I had camera or that, I was actually already drawing some CV mashup in some of these sketches and uh, I still have those books now. So, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I, I think I should share them maybe in the, at least uh, one or two uh, from when you post this uh, podcast because uh, I thought of, uh, you know, picking up where I left off way back then, you know, picking up some of these old photographs and try to recreate them in photos now. So I thought that was pretty weird because I realized that, hey, I've been doing this since I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's to, awesome. Yeah. So I think the inspiration from sounds was definitely uh, very great. I think not just for myself, I think for my whole generation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Correct. I, I've seen a few, I think you've posted a few photos over over the years of, of your little sketches and how you'll sketch things out and then photograph them. I think that's a really cool process. It's kind of like storyboarding almost. Mm-hmm is a way of helping me to keep track of the ideas because sometimes when the idea hit and then you are busy doing other things and less than three minutes later you forgot mm, yep <laughs> and then and then you hate yourself and then you struggle for the next 15 minutes what did what was that amazing idea i had just now you know <laughs> so now i actually uh have a notebook always on my desk. So sometimes during work, it's an inspiration strike and I'll just quickly do it down. Sketches, it doesn't have to be detailed. It's just basic elements of the shot mm-hmm. and, the, and the captions that, that will go with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's awesome because I try to write down when I'll think of a photo idea or something. I go, oh, okay. And I have like a li- an ongoing list. But uh, <laughs> sometimes I'll look back at the list and be like, what did this even mean? You know, it's just because it's just <laughs> words. And so... It's like, what did I mean by this? Or like, I'll understand the concept, but not what shot I had in mind. So I think sketching it out is actually a really good idea. Yeah, but I think you also have to make uh, additional notes. Uh, because sometimes maybe uh, at that moment, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll remember this. But down the road, a couple of months later, yeah, you probably won't remember what what the whole thing was about yeah right yeah <laughs> yeah i think i had a note on mine the other day and just said iron man versus thanos and i was like well that could be anything like <laughs> what did i mean specifically exactly. you know exactly 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 yeah yeah inspiration for me comes from a variety of places and situations so sometimes you can just come out of nowhere uh, most times this happened when i'm washing the toilet i, I have i don't know why but uh, my mind seem to wonder when i perform this weekend chore Maybe it's the odor from the washing liquids. I don't know. <laughs> but washing, sometimes I would just have ideas that just pop into my head and I'll just stop washing and 
and just start writing it down on my notebook, and 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 then they just get knocked down. So so that's that. It, it can it can uh, I can come up with maybe five even five ideas in one toilet washing session. So hmm. I, I I don't know I don't know how that works. So it just comes naturally. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the inspiration comes from observing things. Uh, because I'm always looking at stuff for ideas, and I think it's a occupational hazard as a graphic designer because you tend to observe things from an aesthetic point of view and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I enjoy sometimes I enjoy looking at people's t-shirts uh, with funny captions and just the other day I was having lunch then I saw this this man's t-shirt that said The Walking Dead then then this image of the zombie pushing a pram appear right, in, <laughs> right away and then I think I did that shot and uh, it was yeah I think it was quite well received so I, I think that would yeah so I, I would if I'm outside, then then I would just quickly jot it down on my phone. Uh, if I don't have a notepad, so so my phone does have a document that stores all my ideas. Uh, if I'm on the move, uh. so ideas do also come from googling for stuff, uh, for work, and then you tend to get sidetracked. Oh yeah, and then, and, <laughs> yeah, and then and then and then you look at unrelated stuff, and then you start to connect it to toys. I I don't know whether you have this this uh, uh this method or rather you have ideas that you know came through this path. Yeah, I think so. That happens to me. Yeah. Uh, in fact, actually, it's not really good because uh, it's really distracting for my real world. So <laughs> I tend to get distracted easily. Yeah. And I do like to take things uh, literally and then take that and then translate that into a photo. And uh, and also puns are always fun. Then I also like to put heroic movie characters in the most mundane situation. I think the most <laughs> The better, so so I think that that makes for really you know great for subverting their character traits. So so the the more mundane, the better. Yeah. So <laughs> I also I think in your last interview, you you spoke to Johnny about you know having toys on the desk and always messing around, and then sometimes you accidentally do a pose, and then the idea will just come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so that that that's a great way of getting ideas. Yeah. From, from the poses themselves, yeah. I, I think it's always good to have an idea uh, what you want to show. Otherwise, I think it would it end up being more frustrated, you know, than mm-hmm. go away with nothing. I think my day job also helps me to formulate ideas from a brief, so connecting one idea to the next. That's why I always enjoy and appreciate the Google Plus Monday Challenge. Prices aside, but, you know, but it's always quite... Challenging actually, the food challenge is only four days left. I I have yet to submit, but I have a couple of ideas. So now with my deadline out of the way, I hopefully I can. But <laughs> for this food challenge, this one, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think as I mentioned away, as I mentioned earlier, you know this 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 is, is really uh important that you know you have the notepad and uh, to doodle down the elements that that you want to shoot but sometimes new ideas will pop out and then old ideas get left behind I don't know whether you have this problem <laughs> where you're always suddenly there's this new idea and then you you, you are always having this this idea lingering in your mind and then you just abandon the old one yeah yeah that happens to me for sure uh, especially like I said I'll have that list and it's got stuff on it that's months old, you know, because it's like, oh, I, the inspiration strikes, but I don't have the time to take that particular photo. And then by the time I do have time, I've got new ideas. You know, it's just just how it goes sometimes. Yeah, so you end up more keen to shoot the new idea because 
it's new, right? So right. new is okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, yeah. So so that that no, that's a good problem. Is that more ideas than time? So that's a good problem. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about your photo style because you have a, a really unique photo style, which I, I love. I love that, you know, we mentioned your that you add the captions to each of your photos and that that's kind of your punchline. I guess one of my questions would be what kind of inspires that in you, but I guess the uh, far side and stuff like that. Can you talk about how you developed your photo style and, and what, what your process is there? Okay, uh, actually, I believe I did a post on this very topic about photo style. I think you did, yeah. Visually, I don't think I have a specific photo style other than I love to get in real close to the figures as much as I can. So uh, this is pretty much uh, limited to the only lens that I own with this Canon camera of mine. So uh, whatever color quality or, or the look of it is coming from the only lens that I own hmm. because I, I bought it. I think uh, I only had this one lens. So, so whatever texture or, or, or kind of feel of the photo comes on this lens. So I think it's actually more of a mix of shooting style rather than particular to myself. So in a way, I think it's good because uh, it gives me a chance to experiment with different lighting, environment, textures, and setup. So I try to mix the shooting style and also I enjoy mixing organic elements to the toys or setting up the environment, example, like using sand, cement, or soil. Um, because they have such wonderful texture. Mm. Or I can decide to maybe just use a plain background. So don't, there isn't a specific pattern to my shooting. So it's like someone, some other account will always use that flat color background and it's very consistent in their look and feel whenever mm. you look fit. Yeah, so if you know what I mean. So I, I think in a way my style would be not really from the visual aspect of it, but more on the storytelling angle, I guess. So I think mm. try to create the weird and unexpected funny stories. I think that that will be more uh, in line with what I like to do. Uh. So while compositing, actually, I try to guide the viewer's eye to follow the action and then arrive at the visual punchline and then hopefully follow by a world where they get the joke and then get a laugh out of it. So if someone gets his morning coffee coming out from his nose or laughing, then I'll consider that picture a success. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I try to keep the text in the caption short and to the point because I find it helps complement the visual. And also, I have one more layer to the photo in the comment section with another additional caption. So, But mostly, uh, I try to keep it short and hopefully witty enough for the viewer to enjoy. So if people are scrolling uh, pretty fast on Instagram and you want to make them stop, look and read. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have the time for a lot of pictures, so you want to make it short and sweet. So basically, I think it's more of my content rather than the visual aspect that I feel is my style, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned that scrolling thing because I'll be scrolling through Instagram and liking photos and the, the second I see one of yours, I, I know it's yours because of the quote thing, or I see your, you know, your two little red quote bubbles and, and I always stop and I'm like, oh, cool. Sonny's got a new shot because it's always, it's always just so funny. You were talking about the whole, like moving somebody through your photos. I think of like that T-Rex Millennium Falcon shot you just took. And now one of my favorite photographs, I was so stressed out. I was taking that photo because... <laughs> 
the sun was moving very quickly and it was like and dangling everything here and there. It was like, and I was so glad my friends went with me that day. And then I just happened to catch one where the light was just nice. The rest of the photos were pretty dark. And then, uh, yeah, there's only just that one photograph that had all the, everything worked out fine. Yeah, so I think <laughs> it's really one of my favorite photograph now. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I love that, you know, you've got the punch it, chewy uh, caption on there. And that's what I see first. And then I see the T-Rex and then I see the Falcon and it just makes exactly. me laugh. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Like, you know, you see and then you just see one element, another and then you see, aha, you know. Right, yeah. Laugh. So I think, I think I try to visualize what the viewer would see and I try to guide and then, you know, boom, boom, and you hit the punch <laughs> line. Yeah. Yeah, and I love that you'll do little series too. Like you just did the Dino Troopers. Uh, you did. You've done a series of like classic literature reimagined uh, with your toys. I th I think it's cool that you mix up just doing like random sh funny shots, and then you do like a series of shots too. Oh yeah, but sometimes I think I get too impatient and I I, I don't follow through with the series. Like sometimes uh, I would have a series going, and then suddenly I have a new idea. Then I'll end up shooting that new idea in the series. So it's like sometimes the, the series don't don't get like you see on the post, it's not in a sequential order. Yeah. But uh speaking of which I actually have a lot of series to work on actually. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a lot of backlog to catch up. Yeah. Which I'm, I mean, it's a nice problem, you know. Like some people, some of my friends say, I, I don't know what else to shoot, you know. So I, I, I can just go back to my notebook. Okay, today I think I'll do this one. So. Right. <laughs> Cross this one off the list because it's been there for yeah. a while. I think my question is to, uh, since you're talking about the quote, I think uh, you were going to ask me about this quote thing, right? Where it came about. Yeah. Hey, how did you start doing it and how did you decide on the style, all that stuff? Uh, exactly. Uh, actually, uh, I have Stuart from Scotland to thank for this. His, his account is uh, a non underscore 1072. Uh, uh, what happened was, uh, I, I did this quote thing, actually was born out of laziness because uh, I, cannot, I can't recall why I started adding text to my pictures, but I think it's probably because I was still trying to create a format for my post because when I started, it was pretty random stuff. So sometimes I would have text, sometimes I wouldn't have text. So uh, since the caption was going to be a quote of some kind, I dug into my hard disk to find a quotation graphics that I had done for a client and then slap it onto the photograph. Hmm. So I did this format for a while, then I got tired of it and actually wanted to abandon it. You know, so I was still trying to find my way of coming out with a style, then I decided to not use them for a while, but not before I got a comment from Stuart who mentioned that every time he comes across these two quotes, he's in for a treat. And then, uh, so I think it's the same response from you. So I think that worked out for me fine. So I guess uh, you cannot really miss them because it's like so bright and red. So you cannot really <laughs> So maybe subconsciously I was taking some uh, of uh, Matt Groening's idea that while well, channel surfing you might pause to watch the Simpson because of the bright yellow color. So I guess maybe I was hoping that someone would do the same and view my photo because their eyes are hit by the bright red codes I was mm. using. So I think it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say it does. <laughs> so I think it was like a, not really a conscious effort, but somehow it just evolved from there. Yeah. 
I think, you know, because you're a visual person, you know, you're, that's what you do for work is that you do design stuff. So I think you just have a knowledge of design techniques and yeah. what will draw the eye for people. And I think that's probably super helpful. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about how your, your work background might influence your photography or, or vice versa? As a graphic designer, I think it, it definitely affects how I see things while well, compositing for a shot and having a developer eye for details after all these years. So you tend to pick things out from a scene that somehow looks off or whether the shot is balanced or not. Mm -hmm. I think it also in my, in my work uh, when doing a video shoot, I can see that something is a bit noisy in the background. So you, you, when you set up the scene, uh, you tend to notice all this. Uh. Yeah, so, but however, this can also be a bad thing because you're always nitpicking over the minute detail. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, you know, so it's like you might ruin a, you know, you, you might ruin a setup just because some of the figures are not losing, looking right or just need to be posed slightly different and then you tweak it and then you create that domino effect mm -hmm. but you don't care because you, you want that perfect image I don't care so you <laughs> in fact just yesterday I, I I was just doing a shot for a client and then after taking quite a number of photographs I realized that the Lego head was not turned properly and then the beard was off so it's like off center you know so I mm. had to yeah so yeah look I mean it's good to have an eye for detail otherwise you end up having to reshoot again yeah so actually, this reminds me of the recent King Kong photo I did on the sculpture where he was standing on the skyscraper. So mm -hmm. I was, it was a hot day. I was not happy with the pose. I was looking at it. Somehow it's a bit off. And this sculpture was actually on a platform. So I had to end, I end up jumping up and down the platform. Okay, let me look at it. Let me look at it again. Then I see it. Oh, it's just a bit off. So I went up, I jumped up, and I jumped down. And I, I don't know how many times I jumped up and down, but after the shoot, I think I, I think I posted a picture of my sprained wrist because <laughs> I was jumping with, I mean, I was supporting myself with my arm before I jump up. So I think I'm getting too old to do this type of strength. <laughs> so I had to pay an extra 50 bucks to get my arm fixed. So yeah. So also because uh, of the way I format my photos, I always try to imagine uh, how the final layout looks like. And I enjoy the process because especially the typographic element of it. So uh, how, how I can lay it out and what type of fonts I can use to add an extra element to the story. Yeah. I, I think text cannot be uh, underestimated even though you're looking at a photograph. You, you use, uh, I always enjoy typographic work. Yeah, so... But uh, I'm also slowly moving away from a more rigid layout where I would try to loosen up on my style. At one time, I was pretty conscious of making sure that all the text align properly in a structured manner for a consistent look. Then I realized that I should just uh, loosen up and uh, hmm. create the appropriate layout and font type based on the picture that I was shooting. Like for example, if I were to shoot a speeding car, right? Then the font would maybe be more energetic and fly and more fun, that kind of thing. So it would be better than to stick to a more rigid format. So I've learned to uh, let go of this format and be more experimental with the font and 
how playful it can be. Yeah. Uh, conversely, being a toy photographer has also helped me as a graphic designer because uh, before I pick up toy photography, I was really averse to shooting product shots. I, I, I always reject hmm. uh, jobs that, I mean, even though as a, as a graphic designer, I, I should be able to do that. But just to share my background, actually, I, I was trained in electrical engineering for oh, wow. electrical engineer in school. I studied electrical engineering and uh, worked as a network support engineer for almost five years. Before I went for my evaluation to be promoted, I actually told my boss, uh, actually, I don't know what I've been doing the last five years. I think I would like to quit this line now. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because uh, I, while, while working as a network engineer, I actually did some sideline work as a uh, doing graphic design and I was slowly picking up skills on my own and I find that it's uh, probably uh, seems like a bit more lucrative to be a freelancer than to go on a full-time job so I that's when I slowly uh, try to pick up skills to change my line of work because I was also I wasn't really enjoying my work as a network support engineer because half the time I actually I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) 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 yeah so because of that, I never attended any uh, proper course in graphic design or photography and most of the things I picked out on my own. And uh, now that uh, I've been fooling around with toy photography, I actually have more confidence to take product shots now. Yeah. So nice. that helps in a way. Yeah, correct. And I, I always try to convince my client to uh, let me shoot toy photos for them <laughs> and I just managed to do so the other day because I have a client that runs drama classes for kids and uh, they are doing a, a story on animal farms and, and the little prince so I'm just uh, gonna have to start buying all those figures and start shooting for them so nice so, that, that, so that's fun but uh, also shooting for clients sometimes also I mean getting paid to shoot toys may sound like a good idea, but I think I posted yesterday uh, a, a photograph of, of a comment that I mentioned about getting paid and uh, the stress that comes with it. And uh, I think it's a totally different thing. I think that's one of the questions too, right? You wanted to ask regarding Loom and uh, the Tron set, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, because you recently helped us on the blog with a couple of product things. You uh, were on the LoomCube review with us. Like I said, hopefully people listened to our roundtable and checked out our written review on the blog. And then you helped us with the Tron Cycle uh, Lego Ideas review as well. Yeah, what was it like working on projects like that, you know, like product shots for for companies like LoomCube and Lego, as opposed to just doing your own toy photography? Definitely, there is a lot of difference because uh, you, you have to keep to what the clients want. That's one thing. Yeah. So, for example, in the Tron project, when I heard about the project, before the brief came out, I was already doodling a few ideas. But when the brief came, I had to throw out almost uh, half the ideas because uh, I was, we weren't allowed to mix property. So that was mm. my favorite issue. So I had, to, I had to throw that out. And then, but when it came to the Loom Cube, it was uh, not so difficult in the sense that it was lighting. So it was a normal thing for me to do lighting and I enjoy the process. So it, for, for the Loom Kit, it was uh, not that stressful. But for the Tron project, uh, it was because uh, after seeing what the 
others were doing. <laughs> I was a little bit <laughs> stressed and uh, I, I, I wanted to, you know, n- not let the team down, you know, <laughs> to produce crappy stuff. <laughs> I, had to, I had to like, uh, at least, okay, okay, Brett is doing this. And then, okay, I better, I better pull out my socks and, uh, and uh, try to match the standard. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I guess it's one thing to do your best for this project, even though, you know, it's not a paid job, but uh, you end up being a little hard on yourself sometimes because uh, I guess it's a matter of personal pride. Yeah. Yeah, I could understand that. I felt the same way when we did the Voltron review where, you know, I thought I had a bunch of ideas and same kind of thing. We weren't allowed to mix properties. So I had all these ideas about mixing things and then we got it. It's like, oh, I can't do that. But yeah, then just, you know, you take some shots and then you see what other people are doing. And you think, oh, Maybe I should up my game a little bit or change some things around, yeah. Right. So maybe it's maybe not a good idea to exchange photo in the process because it just adds to the stress. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you produce what you think is the best and you throw in and uh, yeah, I think think that that works better, yeah. Yeah, I think what's funny though is probably the other people that are seeing your shots though are thinking the same thing about their own. So I think it's just one of a personal, you know, maybe you're you're your own worst critic, right? So Yeah, correct. That's exactly true. Yeah, because yeah. I saw the shots you were taking with the Loom Cube, and I was like, "Oh, I've got to rethink everything I'm doing." You know, <laughs> so <laughs> stay on target. You stay on target. <laughs> so, what about doing photos for clients that aren't toy photography related? Has that been? Have you been able to do that very much? You said that you just convinced one client. Uh, have you been able to do that much? And what's what's the difference there with somebody who isn't specifically looking for toy photography or isn't very familiar with it? Actually, I do. Currently, I'm, I'm getting, uh, I'm doing this uh, project involving this white Gandalf that I'm shooting. So uh, I think getting paid is great, but like I said, it's a bit stressful. And uh, sometimes you are dealing with properties that you are not intimately close to or know much about or have uh, feelings for it. Mm. But you have to do it because, you know, you just have to do it. So. Uh, definitely it will help if you have a closer attachment to the, the characters and all that. So I think it will come through in your photograph. I treat it as, I guess, and like what I would with my other projects. Uh, I'll take the brief and I'll run it through and see how best I can come up with based on the brief that they give me. So it's totally different, actually. Yeah, hmm. definitely not as fun. But I guess you, I mean, they they might have their own corporate directions that they want so you, you can't just run with it you know <laughs> although some maybe some may be more open to it or say hey i never thought of that you know so you, you never know but uh i guess you most of the time you will try to play safe i think it was much like the same with the tron job that it was quite quite tough to come up with uh ideas for that and then and i, and I actually frankly speaking, I, I hadn't watched tron un- right until they had uh, given us the set actually, so I had to watch the whole movie, and and finally, oh, that's what it's all about. Oh, that's <laughs> the, what Tron is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know about Tron from the eighties movies, which I thought was—I don't know the feelings for it now. It's like I—I I thought it was quite. Maybe it looks dated now, but I think when I was a kid, I never really understand the story. So, uh, I tried to rewatch it, but. I don't think I can rewatch the eighties one. I think it's looked to me it looked a bit dated, although it's a classic, but uh, I guess the new ones were more exciting to watch. So having said that actually, coming to CGI and all that, 
I think growing up is a good thing. I grew up before CGI was predominant in the movie, so you do have this sense of wonder, like how they how they create stuff and mm -hmm. how they are. And I think this sense of wonder is is lost on on the new generation of moviegoers, and uh, they just take things for granted because then then there's no breakthrough movie that that's coming out. So like 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 Star Wars, to me, is a breakthrough movie. The Matrix was a breakthrough movie. So so, so it's, it's hard to find movies these days that inspire you. It's like the same old thing all over again. And uh, there's not much originality to, to, to stir your inspiration. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah, it is. And just like you said, the prevalence of CGI now, it's, you know, I look at something, it's like, well, that was just made in a computer. Yeah, you exactly. Know, it's, it's not as special as watching the you know the original Star Wars and thinking like well they had to build miniatures and models and stop motion and mix all the and like you said matte paintings and all that stuff they were basically yeah. doing toy photography just on a big scale you know exactly exactly which was why I recently uh, enjoyed the Owls of Dog it's like it was so fascinating mm -hmm. to me I mean I I I think I think I enjoy watching nowadays uh, traditional animation that's why I think. I forgot to mention that actually Robot Chicken was <laughs> one of my other source of inspiration. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, it's the same kind of humor that I totally appreciate. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then they use those classic, uh, you know, stop motion animation. I mean, that, yeah, it has its own uh, charm, which I, I totally enjoy. Yeah. I could see a, a similarity there with them and you because they do a big mix of different characters from different <laughs> genres and stuff and you do a lot of mixing and matching like you'll have ghostbusters and star wars in the same photo and uh, yeah. that that mix and match i could see that gelling well with you yeah yeah because uh actually when i started collecting toys oh i knew and was interested with the star wars figure then but as i got involved like i mentioned you know i started to realize that there were other brands of products and uh, characters that were available well, then I discovered stuff like NECA, McFarlane, Rainbow So names that were alien to me before. And they make some of my favorite movie characters. So I was hooked and actually started looking at the used toy market to buy the older figures. So I'm very happy to have toys of various skills like I have the macro machine, the Lego, the 3.75 and 6 inches. So I don't have a specific toy line that, that I'm drawn to, but I, I just enjoy the character. It's a character that I like. Uh, I, I will just uh, uh, purchase. It doesn't really matter which which toy lines. I mean, which company produces them. You know, I mean, it helps if it's articulated. But uh, having a mix of this skill actually uh, lets me create interesting stories like the recent that Gulliver travel photograph I did. I mean, I wouldn't have you able to <laughs> Yeah, I won't be able to pull that off if I didn't have the micro machine Jawas, right? Otherwise, there's going to be tons of Photoshop work, which I'm not looking forward to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Most, yeah, most of the time, I will try to shoot in camera. I try to minimize the amount of, uh, of Photoshop work I have to do if possible. Or, or even uh, like mixing, you know, Kylo Ren with Old Man Solo and Leah from the series. So, I mean, having these skills, uh, it can... How about uh, create stories in relatable relationship angles, which actually is, most of the time is always good, or rather the relationship is good or bad, but it's always uh, good for a laugh. So, so <laughs> these are things to work on. Yeah, and matchups are fun because you you never 
you, you're, you're able to create a scene that you know that it's not going to happen in real life. You know, right. there's always this element of surprise when you mix uh, characters from different movies and you put them in a similar scene. Like, for example, uh, I think one of my favorite examples I like to, to, to mention is the one where I did this, uh, uh, the Terminator, right? He, he appears from nowhere. He tries to rescue Luke from Vader and then he say, <laughs> come if you want to leave. So, so I mean, how, how, how are you going to see that in real life? They're not going <laughs> right. to... Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, I think my favorite character would be the stormtrooper from the New Hope, especially the Legos one, uh, the Lego ones, yeah, they are so adorable. I think, <laughs> I think most of the toy photographers like them because I think they, uh, most of us would treat them like average Joe, right, with everyday problems. Yeah, then, right. Yeah, and then that opens up a lot of scenario and yeah, lack of expression. I think a lot of people mention that uh, lets the user. Uh, imagine what kind of feelings these poor guys are going through. <laughs> so, pretty much like Hello Kitty without the mouth. Yeah. So if if we if if we shoot a photograph, and uh, we let the user think for a bit what we are trying to say, I I think it's a maybe a a, a much more interesting photograph as to as opposed to having a maybe a, a very nicely lit photograph and like that then without any story so there's no yeah it, visually maybe that that photograph is is very nice to look at but beyond that maybe there's nothing else that you know will let the viewer uh think through the additional layer that you're trying to put put out in the photograph you know what mm. i mean yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that's one thing that I think makes your photos really stand out is just, is just how unique they are and I'll definitely like every time you've brought up a photo today I've been like, "Oh yeah, I I like remember that one," you know, just because yeah, of the way you've shot it and or whatever the subject might be. I think we we yeah, I think the the key thing here is to, you know, you 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 have to to let the the user think for a bit and not be so direct. And that can come through even with your caption. Uh, actually, I have a thing about captions when someone, let's say, if I shoot a foot, uh, shoot a photograph of uh, Superman flying, and then in my caption, I, I just say uh, Superman flying. I mean, that's that doesn't add any value hmm. to the photograph. So mm -hmm. we should take advantage of the comment section to maybe add another thought to it to this photograph, as opposed to mentioning the obvious which then is not very interesting i guess yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah you know what i mean yeah and i love that you you know you mentioned earlier that you'll you know you add your text to each of the photos but then you also add like another little joke in the caption for the people that's that right. do read those and i yeah i think that's a just another great layer to your photography and just another way to show your sense of humor or what you might have been going for for a particular photograph or something I want to switch gears a little bit because on top of taking and, and posting your work, you've also last year began selling prints and, and doing uh, toy photography workshops. I want to talk about some of that stuff. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. So like selling your prints, what, how has that experience been and uh, any lessons there that you could, you could pass on to people like myself? I really want to start selling prints too. Uh, basically I'm going to be taking notes here while you talk, uh, you know, any <laughs> lessons or anything like that you have about selling your work. Okay. I'll try to share as much as I can. I was, I was trying to frame it yesterday while trying to answer this and uh, hopefully I can uh, impart some, 
some uh, <laughs> useful information. Uh, actually, I started uh, selling, or rather, I had always wanted to be part of the local Star Wars movement here, especially the May the 4th celebration. So I managed to track down the organizer and uh, we worked out a deal where part of my proceeds will go to charity. So uh, I was allocated four panels to work on the hour and I was really excited to share them with the public. So the response was was awesome and the people were smiling most of the time when they got the job. Then, then that was great. So getting the... Sometimes it's not about the money, you know. Most of the time it's not about the money, right? It's more like being there and enjoying the whole whole thing, you know, like mm-hmm. getting the response. I, I think Shelly mentioned that too. I think most of the time, I don't think you can pay the bills doing this. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's more like a like an event thing that you do just to pass time, you know. So right after this event, actually, uh, it was my wife, Jennifer, who suggested that I booth at the local Comic Con because I did uh, highlight to her that, you know, I was sitting on the fence about whether I should participate and get a booth at the Comic Con here. And then just after the whole event of this first, uh, of our boothing at this uh, first uh, May the 4th celebration for me, I, I, I had the level of energy was there. So I was like very excited. So yeah, sure, okay, I think I'll do that. So I started preparing for this Comic Con thing. But uh, coming back to this first time when I did the event, I had a couple of experiences maybe I'd like to share. Uh, I had actually framed my photographs uh, during this uh, first event that I attended and I actually uh, stuck them to the panel with some strong tape that were meant for this purpose. But uh, I think because of my weather, I mean, because of the weather uh, here, uh, it was usually very hot and uh, humid. Mm. I think the tape gave way and uh, some of the frames came down and the glass broke. Oh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, fishing, if you want to do frame, uh, I think uh, logically you should use fishing line and hooks, you know. Mm. You put the hook at the top of the panel and then you just drop the fishing line and just suspend it. I think it's a better way to go. So that's one thing I learned because I actually broke I broke a few frames uh, during the exhibition. So uh, And also, of course, having frames when you try to sell, it, it gives a better presentation, but uh, it can be a costly venture though. So I since uh, stopped framing pictures to put up for sale and then uh, I actually still have some of these framed pictures from four years ago that is sitting inside my storeroom. <laughs> 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 and uh, also the next thing I learned was to put price tags on your photos. So most of the visitors during that time, they had the impression that the photos on display were part of the exhibition and I didn't indicate any price on it. So a young gentleman highlighted this to me and actually uh, sales went up the second day. So I actually just, you know, just put a little post-it, pad, post-it tag on the on the frame photograph and just indicate how much is it. So mm. so, so that, will, that will definitely be helpful. I mean, logically, that should be the way. But anyway, it was my first time. so Yeah, it, it wouldn't have occurred to me either. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like learning as I was going along. So, so my initial still strategy actually was to frame the pictures and then uh, frame the pictures I wanted to sell and then take a pre-order for this photograph. Uh, that way, I wouldn't have to keep stock of prints. But uh, I felt that most of the time, uh, having done a few of these shows, uh, most of the time, 
people would like to have their prints there and then because they are probably caught up in the whole festive mode and they are more actually likely to buy from you rather than to wait and then I have to wait a couple of weeks and then you have to go for the print and then and then I think the, the enthusiasm and the interest would have waned by then. So it's always good to have stock ready to sell. Although having said that, it comes to the next question of what picture will sell. So that is kind of tricky. So uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of people when they are trying to sell their prints, they have to figure out you know what what would be more likely someone will pick up a print of this certain shot. So getting the the right shots in is definitely uh, uh, one of the things to consider. In fact, it, it should be the primary things to consider what you want mm. to sell. And I mean, what, what is popular, I guess. After this first Star Wars event, actually I was uh, caught with the booting bug and actually applied to any booth that whenever I could. And any 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 exhibition I came across, oh, I was willing to participate. And that's when I learned my next lesson. You have to pick your battles. So, <laughs> yes, definitely. So, uh, I was so enthusiastic uh, after the initial response. Uh, I thought, oh, okay, this this is good. Uh, I, I shall go on to the next one. So I picked the wrong better and it turned out to be a pretty depressing situation where no one is interested in your prints at all. So that was pretty <laughs> sad. And uh, one of which I remember was at the designer fair. Uh, I, I actually had a booth there, but everybody else was selling hipster stuff. And I saw a grand total of five postcards. <laughs> so, so, so I realized that uh, for us, and the format that we sell, we just need to focus on pop culture related events. So that's pretty important. So hmm. it doesn't mean that uh, even, even at uh, certain Lego events, people are more keen to pick up the toys than to pick up prints because uh, they are there primarily to pick up the minifigures and, and the boxes. So they are not interested in in any of the prints. So now these days I just concentrate on two events every year. So that will be the uh, May the 4th and the local Comic Con convention here. Hmm. So sales actually uh, has been picking up a bit and actually make friends who are regular buyers at this event. So I would like to take this opportunity to thank them and appreciate their support. Uh, so this this again comes back to I think the sales the sales went up I think probably because I maybe picked the right image to sell, which is not, like I said, a not easy thing to do. So I was lucky last year when I came up with a series that struck a chord with the locals. So I had posted some of this photo for a pre-event sale on a targeted Facebook group and I actually managed to cover my booth cost even oh, before nice. I, yeah, even before I, I attended the event. So it was a stress-free, happy two days there. So uh, <laughs> everything was you know, it just profit because I didn't have to worry about covering my cost. So maybe doing a pre-event sale, you know, just to put notice that, you know, it's up. So that at least, in a way, you can gauge uh, what are the photos people will be interested. And then also, you don't need to overprint. So you know the specific amount to print. So that that's good. And I always go to these events with zero expectation. And like I said, you know, just a place to meet friends and have fun and, uh, right. and just enjoy. Uh, reaction yeah yeah sometimes it's also a good chance to network and create new opportunities which i think uh, i had a few actually so uh, coming from this event so so meeting the right people at these uh, events uh, which is another bonus yeah but i mean i don't actively participate mainly for that but but for the reasons i just mentioned yeah more to have fun yeah 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, to have fun and just to show your work and see people's reactions to it can be rewarding in and of itself. Def- definitely, yes, definitely. So let's talk about your your toy photography workshops that you've done. Um, how, how did that that opportunity come about, and how did those go? Take two years back, uh, I came across a Facebook post uh, for a talk on designer toys, so a local company. And this talk was organized by the National Library Board here. Uh, this company actually specialized in uh, taking an artist concept, and then they will see through all the process uh, needed to make it into an actual toy. So I have always uh, been fascinated with this because I uh, actually have a few toy toy ideas myself. So <laughs> I wanted to see you know, what the whole process was about. However, halfway through the talk, I suddenly had the idea that since the National Library was interested in the subject of toys, then maybe they might be interested you know, in having a, a similar talk but based on toy photography since it's related to toys. So I managed to uh, grab hold of the organizer at that event. And I uh, got an email and I wrote in a proposal uh, for such a talk. But a uh, few months went by, I didn't get any reply. And then suddenly I heard from them. And then it was they who suggested that I do a residency for a whole month, starting with a talk and then uh, followed by three weeks of workshop. Uh, oh, I wow. actually, uh, I, I, it, so it was the idea to have the workshop. I just wanted to have the talk and, and that was it. So I never thought of having a workshop. So. Yeah, that it was the idea. Then uh, actually, I agreed without hesitation as I thought this would be a good way to expose toy photography to the general public. I think I took it upon myself to spread this, you know, genre <laughs> photography. Yeah, so I was, I was, uh, I was ready for the talk because uh, I already had a presentation in hand from a previous uh, talk that I gave to some students, and this 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 talk with the students came about because I, I met a teacher at one of the Comic-Con event and, and she asked me whether I would be keen to, you know, give a talk. And I, I agreed to that too because uh, at that time I didn't have any presentation material and I thought that, you know, there will be a good chance to start on one and he gave me a false deadline to create one and I'm glad I did that because uh, that PowerPoint document has uh, been very useful in, uh, in sharing thoughts and processes and how to go about getting started on this. So I, I, I don't know, I ever thought of posting that PowerPoint slide and maybe share it with the general public online. <laughs> I'm not sure if you should do that. I don't know. Anyway, the response was great at the workshop the organized by the library. And I had a great time uh, sharing what I knew. So, so on top of that, uh, I did set up a few simple diorama with everyday objects. I, I didn't went through the process of creating uh, very detailed diorama, uh, dioramas. Uh, I think I saw some of the guys who also conduct similar workshops on Instagram where they post and share their photographs. Some of the, some of the dioramas were pretty insane, I think. They set up the tattooing scene. I think the streets are most icy and, 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 and it was really good. But I didn't have the patience nor skill to go and build that. So <laughs> as usual, I would just grab some second ball, some whatever I have, you know, blank background. I think my styrofoam padding, I, I set up that moon, the guy on the on the, on the astronaut on the bicycle cycling on the moon. 
mm-hmm. which used for phone box. So I created a similar thing because I think, as you know, you know, everyday object can also double up as uh, as interesting props. Yeah. On how it's <laughs> yeah. So, so they just, you know, throw that in and, and it's done. And the reaction was great because every time they start to look into the camera and then they realize, oh, it's not just a, a, a box with a toy inside. So when they go down to that level and they see, and they were very fascinated. So the response was definitely uh, uh, interesting, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. Anytime I've shown like a... I- I was going to say normal, but just like a, a somebody who's not very familiar with what toy photography is, when you show, when you just sit down and like show them what yeah, the process is and they like get it, you know, it's like, oh, this is what toy photography is. This is like, what was this? This this piece of circuit board with this, you know, air walker on it. So when they view it from the top view, it's just, what is this, you know? <laughs> so when they go down to the level, they're like, oh, okay, it's a whole new world. So, I think I think that's what makes it very interesting. Yeah. Are the talks and workshops something you're gonna keep doing in the future? Do you have plans to do that? What's so what happened was that I realized that after this event, I started to grow a thick skin, so I ended up, you know, just randomly sending out emails to organizations and polytechnics and asked them whether they were keen. And uh, I even uh, emailed to uh, to the local comic museum here, which. They did respond to me, but there wasn't a follow-up. So uh, I so did with the polytechnic. So at the moment, uh, it's a bit quiet. And I also have a lot of things on my plate now. So I haven't had the energy to follow up on all these thoughts, even though I do enjoy them. But uh, if the opportunity comes, I'll definitely take them up. But one of the ideas I had was, after going through the talk with the schools, I thought of maybe I should make it like a, a, a lesson that the schools can officially sign up, you know, like, uh, oh, I, I, yeah. So, but I, I, like I said, I got, I have so many plans on my plate. It's just <laughs> one of the things to do kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, but it's in the, it's in the to-do list. So right. <laughs> hopefully you'll see, something will come out from there too. Yeah. I just need to get started on it because actually this whole process of, uh, uh, toy photography since I started with the talks and the exhibition I, I, I learned one thing is that you you know you, you just have to go out and just uh, do it and not to worry what is gonna happen you know yeah so yeah, you just gotta put yourself out there and then things please. might come your way you know exactly I actually have this piece of quote hanging in front of me that actually got me inspired to, to, to get started and, and it goes something like you know like one of the things I learned is that a little bit poorly done is better than nothing expertly done hmm. so it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be perfect just as long as you get started I think that's one of the key thing I learned from this journey so far yeah so just do it yeah To wrap up you know do you have any creative goals for 2018 i know you just said you had a lot on your plate but anything big coming up uh, that you have planned or any ideas that you're really trying to get out of your notebook or anything like that the year is ending soon and uh, i have a trip planned in december to Dylan, so i hope to grab some of those lot of ring pieces to go on this trip so i hope to i don't know how to shoot the milky way but i'll try to figure out a way to do it i hope 
<laughs> so I'm looking forward to this trip. And uh, I have, like I mentioned, I have uh, created quite a few series and I uh, hope to get started on them. And uh, also to put more contribution to the blog, which I think is sorely lacking at the moment. <laughs> I have been contributing to the blog for a while. So, and next year uh, for Star Wars Day, I'm really, really trying to create a book of sorts for next year's booth that is very targeted to the local audience that they will see and they totally get it. But it probably won't sell overseas because uh, they won't get the lingo that we speak here. So I was hoping mm. to create some of a, a something of a book, booklet to sell on that day. So uh, I have another, let's see, eight months. I'll probably start work on it one month before. <laughs> <laughs> knowing myself so but looking at long term i actually hope to accomplish the following if funds permit i've been wanting to create my own coffee table book for the longest time so mm. that's on my wish list and uh, also maybe if fun and time permit to join you guys on the toy safari one day hopefully oh yeah that would be amazing and maybe lastly i just suddenly occurred to me that hey maybe i should just try out a booth at the San Diego Comic-Con one day at the Artist Alley. It's probably going to be a money-losing venture, but it's going to be an interesting adventure, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, that's the the prime audience for the kind of photos that you do and the the geeky properties and all that stuff, so maybe it would be a a good thing to do. Yeah, it's on the bucket list, so I I hope I can check it out one day, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, me too. That would be awesome, and... um... And it'd be a cool excuse for you to come to the States and, and maybe meet some toy photographers that are here. Exactly. And also, actually, I'm trying to time it with the opening of the Star Wars, uh, uh, what's that, in Disneyland, the, the Star Wars thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I get to kill two birds once again. So <laughs> hopefully I can time it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I hope you can do that, too. That would be awesome. So for people that want to see more of your work, uh, where can people find you online? Okay, uh, that, uh, you search under Zigzag Zoom. That's uh, Z-E-K-E, Z-A-C-H, Z-O-O-M. And you can find me on, uh, I also have a website, uh, ZigzagZoom.com. Uh, but if you search Zigzag Zoom on Google, uh, it's just going to show up all my stuff. So I think it's a pretty uh, easy find, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. You can find new episodes of this podcast and daily articles on creativity and toy photography on our website, toyphotographers.com. You can also subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We also ask that you please leave us a five-star review. That'll help spread the word about the show and help us get noticed. You can find us on Facebook at Toy Photographers and on Instagram at underscore Toy Photographers underscore. Music for this week's episode is courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. And finally, you can reach out to us with comments, concerns, recommendations, etc. at toyphotographypod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next time.